Hello and welcome to Touchline from Casper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Cas. Nice being in studio. So excited about today's uh, recording. We've got a very special guest, a Springbok of note, coaching front and playing front in studio to, to chat with us a little bit about rugby and, and his path and what he's played in the sport. We definitely have somebody here that's notable. Um, tonight we're talking to Ricardo Lopesha. Ricardo, welcome to the to the show and thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's nice to be here and um, I'm looking forward to the show tonight. Uh, before I say something, I just want to say, we could, I didn't speak about this, this off-air, so I just want to put it out there on-air. Um, just look at this badge that I'm pointing at you. Um, I know you've <laughs> left our province, you've gone to... To the other side, so <laughs> I put this on specially for you, just so that you can miss us on this side. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah, there's always one under the bus. <laughs> always, always, always. always. I told you. Always. I told you, Mark's going to say the most. He's going to talk plenty. Um, Ricardo, looking at your at your CV, it's it's very impressive. Um, going from underage. Um, talking about coaching now, going underage right through to, to Springbok level, um, coaching Curry Cup, Super Rugby, uh, Springboks, um, under-21s, under-18s. You, you've done it all. You actually started from under-13s under um, at school level. Correct. And Correct. It's, it's massive. It's huge. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's actually a long story, Cassie. Uh, um, I was a teacher way back, and I think rugby actually got in the way. Uh, but the plan was to go and study, but uh, I've only taught for a year and four months. And uh, in that time, I was busy with the under-13 side, just helping them. And uh, I think that's sort of where my love for coaching started. And um, it was basically after the year, um, I got tired, and uh, I felt guilty. Why? Uh, we used to play games on a Wednesday night. This is a way back. So uh, I think it was the Vodok or the night series, way back. And now you, you, you get up the next morning, your, the body's not too, not too happy with you, uh, a little bit sore. Now you have to go and stand up um, in front of the class, and then you feel guilty because you didn't yes. put in the same preparation mm -hmm. that you would put in for that game. And I decided, okay, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a go. I'm going to go uh, fully professional. Um, the money wasn't great at the time. I took a gamble and uh, I was actually lucky or things worked out um, for some reason. Um, then I ended up playing club rugby, uh, lucky to, uh, to be selected for, for all the EP teams. I started uh, playing under 21, EP under 21. Um, that's where the EP selectors uh, saw me, got invited to the EP senior team. And uh, I was fortunate to, to play 60, um, yeah four or five seasons for them, 60 caps later. And uh, in those days, EP were still part of the, the, the Sharks region. And, uh, but initially I started with the Cats 1999. And the following year, um, I was part of the Sharks setup. So uh, I played a few games, um, I think it was 2000, not, not good enough, got sent back to, back to EP. Um, played a bit of club rugby again, played for EP. So we went on, um, I think it was in Pretoria where we had uh, club champs. 
And that's where Rit of Strali saw me again in 2001. I signed a, a two-year deal with the Sharks. And um, yeah, 2001, we obviously played in that Super Rugby final, which uh, um, was unbelievable. We got a hiding against the Brumbies, uh, but it was good. Um, uh, if you look back now, some good memories, but um, I must say I really enjoyed my time. So, Ricardo, if I can just ask you a question here quickly. Sorry, it's off the topic, and as you were speaking now, um, and we're obviously going to speak quite a, quite a bit with you tonight with regard to your coaching and where you've been in that, but if I, just for the listeners, um, you, in what you said now, would be a prime example of someone that had a setback in the sense that when you said you weren't good enough and the Sharks sent you back to EP, um, that could have gone two ways. Either you would have given up and said, well, that's not you, obviously you're not going to make it or whatever, or you go the other route and the route that you did, you kept on pushing, who knows, maybe you didn't believe as much as you could have believed or whatever, but what would you say to a youngster listening to the show um, in that sense? Because, you know, as coaches, we always push them to say, don't give up, that's a setback, but you're good and you need to push. So you are a prime example for someone that was there. Um, what motivated you to go on? And obviously by you going on, you ended up becoming a Springbok rugby player. Yeah, that's, uh, I must say, the I'm going to try and explain it this way. I told this, my players on Friday, I told them the following story is an analogy about the, um, the carrot and egg um, and coffee beans. And if you take all three of them and you put them in boiled water, um, they react differently. So I said to him, listen, you got a choice. If you want to, you can always, uh, there's a decision to make uh, whether you're going to, are you, do you want to become like a carrot? If you put it in boiled water, it becomes soft. If you put the egg in the boiled water, it's hard on the outside and soft on the inside. But if you put the coffee beans, if you put it in the boiled water, it becomes coffee. So the moral of the story is, is how you react. What is your attitude when things are not going your way? And that's how you deal with those uh, circumstances or challenges. So, um, I don't know, for, for some reason, I actually enjoy to, to, to be not in a great position because then that's exactly, uh, that's a time where I, the best out of me, where I almost feel like I have to bounce back. So that's the time where I have to sit, do a bit of soul searching, um, look at things, uh, review what I'm doing, um, look at my effort, look at my commitment, look at my organization. And I, I said to the players, you, 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 and you're right, you, you've got two ways how you can deal with those uh, opportunities or challenges. You can either go lie down or you're going to fight back. Now, if I want the players to bounce back or to fight back, I must do it myself. It must yes. start with me as a coach. 100%. And for some reason, I think that uh, one of the, the lessons you learn uh, out of rugby or take from rugby is that you're going to have setbacks. There will be highs and there will be lows. The big thing is how you deal with those uh, challenges. No, hundred percent. Thank you. You you now playing at the as a player playing at the highest level, playing provincial rugby, playing for different provinces or different franchises, and then also for the for the Springboks, and then also in the sevens and the 15, 15 man game. How does that help you in your in your coaching career? I must say, if you if you look at sevens, and people will understand if you've been exposed to a sevens uh, setup. Uh, we just chatted about today. So I ran uh, what we call a repeated sprint with the players this morning. 
So part of the, the, the induction week is that they have to do a bronco test for fitness. And this morning we did a repeated sprint. So I've done two with them. But um, I said to them, you realize when you play sevens, this is your warm-up. You do two, three of those, and that's just, that's just a warm-up. The point I want to make is that you've got to be mentally tough when you play sevens. If you go to a sevens camp now, they start, they, what they try and do is they try and simulate game day. So if you play three games in one day, that's how you're going to train. Okay. So the mental toughness you're taking from sevens, from a, from a conditioning point of view, from a focus point of view, you've got to be physically uh, on a different level. In terms of your fitness, your mental toughness, you must be fit. Now, taking that into your coaching, so I got up, I like to get up office four in the morning. That's the best time for me. Where I sit and I do all my prep, um, getting ready for the day. So I want to win the day uh, within those, those next two hours. Uh, when I get to work, uh, I want it to be like just boom, 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 boom. Everything must just flow. So uh, from a coaching point of view, I would say here's the mental toughness, the preparation, um, um, to just try and, 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 and hustle. Um, we talked today to the players about uh, we never walk between drills. Whether it's water, whether it's the next drill, you always hustle. You're always in a run. You're always in a move. So we want to teach them, um, yes, on the field, there's, there's no downtime for you. Yes, you're going to have a stoppage. But for us, it's all about just being on the move, hustle, just play, play for play, working hard, get into a good position or to make a tackle. Then the, the next question, what motivates you the most as a, as a coach? What, I would say, Kasper, where I'm sitting now in terms of my career, um, I don't know, for some reason, I feel I want to... Um, I've seen a bit, I've experienced a bit, and I think it's a good time for me now to, to give back. I've always been a guy uh, who has a, ment a mentality of giving back. To, I like to empower people, but I think now, uh, after 15 years in, in, in coaching, 25 years in rugby, I want to I wanna make a difference. I want to make an impact. Um, I had one-on-ones with the players yesterday and today, and it was all about connection. It's all about finding out who's the guy sitting in front of me. Now, what we do is we operate as coaches, we operate in that uh, skill level and uh, the mind. But what we never do, or sometimes we're not even getting there, how do you capture this guy's heart? How do you go beyond just the skills, uh, motivating him? I, I need to know that uh, wherever, a guy at home, I want to know that person. So I'm always starting with the person first, and then I go to the rugby player. And that's it's my motto is about athletes first, rugby of winning second. So if you if you look at it, you know we we had some previous coaches on on our show as well, and we spoke about the same thing. Um, you know, as a coach, and you and you harbored on it a little bit now to say, as a coach, you're more than just a coach. Sometimes you're a friend. Sometimes you're a father. You're a mother. Um, empathy comes through. It's not just the thing of preparing and getting to the field and putting them through their drills or whatever, because you need to you need to learn how they operate and understand them. They might have had a difficult day or whatever. And as a coach, you need to adapt to try and get the best out of that player. Yes, and, and, and one of the questions on my questionnaire today was, uh, what are their expectations of me as a coach? So I'm putting myself on the spot yet by asking them, 
what are they expecting from me? Obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell them what I'm expect, yeah. expecting from them. But what you find with players is uh, probably the big biggest thing that came out of the the one on ones was, uh, coach, I expect you to improve me. I want you to make me a better rugby player and a better person. Yeah. Then obviously, honesty is probably the next, if not the first point, if you, in terms of the feedback. So yes, and I think that's where, um, and we don't always have the time, but I think that connection with a player, not just as a rugby player, but also as a person, that, that's probably key uh, in terms of the, the development. So just quickly on the, sorry, Kos, just on the coaching side of it now, um, you know, and it goes for a coach like myself that hasn't played at the highest level like you. Um, obviously, with you playing at the highest level, you would have been exposed to the professional side of it of so many other coaches that have been part and impacted in your life. Um, so as a coach, what I do is I, you know, you try and take the best out of this coach and that coach and you combine it obviously with your own flavor in it. So I think in, in, in a case like you, there's a lot of things in your coaching career that you can fall back onto where you can actually explain to the players because, you know, you can't pull wool over their eyes. They watched you play rugby. You know what I'm saying? So where I can get away with it and you can't. And what I'm trying to say here is a lot of that is the openness and the honesty with your players, and they need to respect you and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, 100% uh, in terms of, I always say to, if I'm talking to people, uh, at especially the highest level, when you stand in front of those players, they can see right through you. The moment you open your mouth, and uh, the immediate thing that will happen straight after that is they're going to weigh you, they're gonna they're gonna sit back and and almost saying okay let's see what's what's coming up what's coming out of this guy yeah and if that's not if that whatever you're saying if that's not credible that's a lost opportunity for you so we I talk about making deposits so every time when you deal with a player or when you, when you interact with a player you're making deposits and vice versa the same for the player so my my advice to them is make sure when you when you when you engage with someone. Make sure it's it's a positive uh, deposit you're making. My wife would love you. She speaks the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ricardo, then coaching from under 13 through to to Springbok level. What what's it like coaching now during this COVID um, situation that we're in? This COVID um, pandemic. What do you guys do different as coaches now than what you did before then? I think probably the, the, the biggest change is the smaller groups um, and just trying to adapt all the time in terms of uh, COVID regulations. So we can't have too many guys um, in the same venue um, training-wise at smaller groups. Uh, obviously, the sanitizing is there, the social distancing, the masks, um, all those, those kind of rules. But I think the big thing is that the players, um, we try to educate them. Um, that's part of our jobs, to educate them while we still have to coach. So it's, it's two-folded. That's our role. Uh, but I, I must say with, with what we're trying to do with our boys now, uh, obviously they didn't play for more than a year. So there's a lot of coaching, uh, educate, educating to the bone. So we try and go as deep as possible uh, with, with whatever we do. So the first week was all about uh, just uh, presenting about what is our way, how are we operating, what are we expecting from them, what we would like to see, what are those those good, good pictures. So there's a lot of that stuff. So I've asked every single coach to, to present on his area 
uh, just to explain to players about, uh, listen, these are the rules. Uh, this this is how we're going to operate, just to give them a better understanding and something to hold on to. Um, high standards of the field. Um, we, we try to create a learning environment. So there's a lot of questions throwing at them, uh, been throwing at them while we're busy with our team meetings out in the field. It's all about, uh, I look at it this way. I, I've got two daughters. Um, for me, it's, coaching is like parenting. At some stage, we're going to hold hands. And at some point, we're going to say, all right, we're happy with what we're seeing. Now we're going to take a step backwards. And whilst we're doing that, we need, we need to make sure that we empower them with the right tools. Uh, we give them all the tools they need in their toolbox, and hopefully they can use those those tools for when it's the right time. Um, yes. Makes sense. Your, your involvement... As a, as a provincial coach in, in club rugby, I know at the Cheetahs you're only there now for a, for a short while, but previous provinces that you coached at, what was your involvement in club rugby as a provincial coach? Um, what I've done in the past, Cash, uh, was that I was, I was involved with the Springboks. And the way our season worked out was that for the first six months, uh, obviously we were at home busy with our planning, analysis, uh, and so forth. And what I've done is that, um, I went to a club. I went to Pretoria Boys Eye uh, just to, to, to keep the pencil sharpened, uh, make sure I'm staying on top of... Uh, remember when you, we, when we're not coaching for those six months, uh, the players were busy with uh, Super Rugby. So now you walk into that, that coaching setup, uh, you are, you're under, undercooked, you're underprepared, uh, and the players can pick it up straight mm-hmm. away. So um, that's something that I picked up with... Um, Ian Foster now, the all-black coach, I had a chat and just asked him, just uh, in general, listen, what are you guys doing in the, in the first six months? And that's where I, I got a bit of advice from him, listen, get involved. But uh, as I said in the beginning of the interview, I'm a coach. I'm not a Spremont coach. I'm not a Curry Cup coach. I'm not a, a Super Rugby coach. I'm a coach. So whether it's, um, and Mark will know that I've been involved with four boys um, last year for five months. Um, I've coached them yeah, basically for four or five months. It's 23, uh, 23 uh, sessions with them later and 23 Zoom chats with them later. Um, but I just wanted to stay sharp um, and obviously make an impact. Advice to anybody that wants to become a coach, what would your core advice be for any young youngster that wants to get involved? I think, personally for me, you the first question you need to answer is, is it your passion? Is, are you passionate about people? That's probably the first one. And then the second thing is you, you need to start with yourself. You need to start with knowing yourself. What do you stand for? What do you, what do you dislike? What do you like? Um, what is your philosophy? You need to go and figure that first out before you can lead people because you need to know what you stand for and what are you like as a, as a person and as a coach. Because... Uh, uh, coaching is a bit like teaching, so your personality will be, or the team's personality will be a reflection of you as a coach, and, and vice versa. So um, you need to go and ask those questions, hard questions about your philosophy, your leadership style, how you wanna, why, why are you coaching? Is it, is it for results, or is it to make a difference, uh, an impact in players' lives, or do you want to change lives? And I went from my first 15 years of coaching, um, let's call it results, 
driven. It's all about the next game. It's all about the next trophy. Um, I, I want to give back now. I want to share my IP today. One of the places we go, I want you, this is what I'm expecting from you. I want you to create a platform by sharing your knowledge and your experience to, to, unlock, to unlock my potential. And that was a wow for me. It's, this is probably the one one of the best one-on-ones I had for the last two days. Yeah. No, I agree 100%. Somebody once mentioned to me that teachers make better coaches than anyone else. If you look at all the the top coaches in the world that's won World Cups, most of them are teachers. Would you agree with that statement? I can't talk about myself, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to refer to the top guys. <laughs> Uh, Jake White is the teacher. Heineke Mayer is the teacher. Yes. Um, John McFarlane is probably not that well known. But, uh, uh, we all know he's been involved with the box and with the Bulls. He's also a teacher. Yes. Uh, Alistair Kutsia is a teacher, and I can go on and on and on. Yes. Uh, um, my two cents about it um, is probably uh, your people skills to start yes. off as a, as a, if you've got that teaching background, because um, you need to know how to deal with people. We understand now. Uh, how to handle people in different ways. And secondly, I would say from the coaching methodology as a teacher, there's planning, there's organization, and maybe from those two point of uh, differences, I think that's where teaching is helpful. Um, yes. I just want to ask, now, now that you're at the Toyota Cheetahs, um, your involvement with the youngsters, how does that follow through into the bigger, bigger schemes of the senior players, Curry Cup, Hopefully, in the very near future, you guys would be playing in a, in a different competition. Obviously, you've been taken out of certain competitions. Um, sadly so. Uh, you guys have had brilliant players coming through the ranks at the Cheetahs. So, obviously, you are there to develop the youngsters to, to go forward and take the Toyota Cheetahs to a different platform. So... Just from a from a listener's point of view, you're doing all the hard work, but you know the the, the Joe Soap out there don't see what you guys do, barring when you're going to start playing maybe junior rugby. Um, so, what is the involvement, and how do you link up with uh, the senior guys? Yeah, Mark, it's twofolded. Um, from the CIE, that's now the Cheetahs Institute of, of Excellence. Uh, our pathway is from us to, to a Greekwist under-20s or Griffins under-20s. Um, so we try and create that pathway, uh, Cheetahs under-20s, Griffins and Greekwist. Uh, from the Cheetahs' point of view, it's from us, the CIE, um, to the Cheetahs under-20s and hopefully the senior team. So there's a, there's, a, there's a connection, there's alignment between what we're doing and hopefully we can create that platform for our boys to go to the Cheetahs under-20s and hopefully the, the senior team. So there's a, there's a partnership. It's not in isolation, uh, which I actually like. So there's a high performance setup, and, and I think the players will get opportunity to, to get invited to the under-20s. Um, maybe go there, train with them for a few days. Um, also train against the senior team um, when it's attack and defense. So we'll try and create opportunities for them, whether it's uh, to the Griffins, whether it's to Griquas, that's actually quite interesting you're speaking like that because, and I might be wrong now, you've been involved at that level for quite a while, so you could possibly correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I think what you've just said, and in theory we're talking about three different provinces or unions um, 
under your wing, if I can call it like that, where most of the other provinces don't work like that. Yeah, and I think there's a lovely partnership um, and understanding between us, Griquas and, and Griffins. Oh. And uh, I think it's a great it's a great opportunity for players. If they don't make it in our setup, they can go to the Griffins or they can right. go to Griquas. Mm. Uh, but hopefully uh, our plan is to, to see how many players we can produce to the next level. Obviously, mm. Cheetahs on the 20s. And so there's a good um, uh, partnership, understanding, collaboration between us and the Cheetahs on the 20 coaches. Uh, they will have eyes on these guys. There's feedback from us to them. And they want to know who's coming through the system. And hopefully we can, uh, we can streamline this pipeline where players have the opportunity to go all the way. But that's actually brilliant if you think about it, you know, because you talk about some of the players that get lost through the cracks or whatever. So they don't make it at the Cheetahs, but he might be a late, a late developer. So you release him, if I can use that word, to Griquas or to uh, the Griffins or whatever, because ultimately these youngsters, whether they're youngsters or seniors, they still need game game time to prove themselves to be seen and be selected for, for a senior side like that. So, you know, just from a coach... In the KZN area, um, I think it's actually a brilliant strategy and more so as a coach now talking about we want players to play. Um, and ultimately, you know, if you've done what you're doing now and they don't play for the Cheetahs, but they go and play for the Griffins, somewhere along the line, that guy is going to play decent rugby, whether it's here or in England. But I mean, they've gone through the system. Uh, the Cheetahs, for argument's sake, have selected the hand or handpicked a few that they wanted to stay at the Cheetahs. And who knows, that guy might play a few uh, um, curry cup games at the Griffins in their level that they're playing out, and then later on be seen and get selected for the Cheetahs. Yes, 100% Mark. There's also the opportunity for them uh, amongst all the institutes where, for, for example, uh, if you're first year and you feel you're not happy with uh, the quality of coaching you're getting, say, from the Cheetahs, from our side, you can go to Western Province uh, mm. and, and go and finish your second or your third mm. year there. So mm. we also get that, uh, have that understanding amongst yeah. all the, the, uh, the institutes, uh, which is a good idea. Yeah. And, I, and I love that. So what we're trying to create here is obviously studies first and then the rugby secondly. Yeah. Um, we, these guys are doing a sport yeah. management uh, diploma, really important. Um, some boys that I've noticed today or yesterday, they're not studying, which is a concern for me. Uh, the way rugby is going, I, I would be concerned as a parent if my child is not doing that and instead of or versus just playing full-time rugby. You need to get some education behind your name. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. You know, we even try that at a club level when we're recruiting to ensure that the kids, well, I can't say kids, some of them are grown-ups already, um, but that they at yeah. least study. So if I can ask this uh, question, and it's obviously a marketing thing on your side. So... You have all these young, aspiring youngsters playing uh, schoolboy rugby um, because you spoke about under-19s and 18s and some of them might be slightly younger, but now they want an opportunity to go somewhere. And let's say the Toyota Cheetahs is one of those. How do they get involved? How, where do they contact someone or whatever to get involved with the Cheetahs? Whether they make it or not, there's obviously experience and studying and so forth. Uh, yeah, and, and, and it's a good question. What they can do is the Emir Smith, uh, he's in charge of um, the Academy the Institute. So he's um, what we call the head of Institute. So we can contact him um, and he will can, he can sort you out with all the information. And I think that's, uh, that's a good starting point. Uh, people can also contact me if they want to. 
Um, but uh, I'm in charge of the on-field stuff, and he's looking after all the off-field stuff, mm -hmm. uh, if we can put it that way. So they just go via the Cheetah's website? Yes, that, they, they can do that. Um, they can look at the Cheetah's uh, UXI. Um, I think that's where they can get all the information. But that's after they've gone to the Sharks website, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> no, only kidding with you, yeah. they more than welcome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ricardo, one thing I'd like to ask, and, and, and you know, as I said, you played at the highest level, um, not only in South Africa, um, you coached overseas as well. What was it like for you as a, as a top player in a, in, a, in a great country like South Africa to start coaching? And then, obviously, when you started coaching, the, the age gaps weren't massive between players that you knew um, for a while and that. So what was it like adapting to a coach, being a coach at people that you've known or played for and with in the, in the past? Well, how, did, how did that transpire? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question, Mark. Um, I spent a bit of time with... Um, Robbie Deans, this is now way back, and I've, I've, I've asked the question around um, how do you deal with players that you've coached or played with, and are you coaching them? Because there's always uh, there's a fine line between, uh, let's call it mutual respect, because obviously they're not going to respect you that much. Correct. And I, he said the following: as long as you prepared, um, they can sense where you're coming from. Um, they understand where you're coming from. You know your you know your stuff. You know your your, your work. Um, they will respect you for that. So if you work hard, um, you're on top of your game. Your your knowledge about the game, and how you obviously how you deal with them. Um, I've got some nice advice from Ian Mac. Ian McIntosh said to me um, two things: um, don't get involved with politics. That's the one. The second thing: respect players. Mm. Uh, you need to respect them. If you want them to respect them, respect you. Sorry. You need to show respect first. And uh, I took that on board. Um, my first six months before I got the job or started um, with the box, it was basically uh, how to close the gap. Because the last time I played at that level, uh, compared to the time I got involved with the box, totally different. Yeah. So I knew there was a gap and I, need to, I needed to find ways to close that gap. And uh, one way of doing that was I spent a bit of time with all this, with some of the senior players that's been involved in the setup. Uh, secondly, you've got to make sure that at least you're on par with, that, with their knowledge, uh, their level. So I tried to do that. And obviously your professionalism, what you bring to, to, the, to the game, how you deal with them on a daily basis. Uh, yeah, it's not easy. I, I can promise you that. Uh, I can imagine. you will always find, whether it's the Highlanders, whether it's uh, Stade Francais in France, there's always one or two guys that will challenge you. Uh, the biggest thing is that you... you um, you need to understand where they're coming from. You need to find a, sort of a, a common ground. Are you going to deal with it? Because it's not easy. It's and, not easy. No, I hear you. And, and I'm asking the simple question because you've done it at the highest level, whereas I look at ourselves as club, as club coaches. You know, you, you might have played three years ago, four years ago, um, and now you're coaching that specific side. And a youngster, when you were there, is now a senior player. And uh, you played alongside him but now you need to coach him you know and that's at a club level and that respect that you're referring to now works both ways 
some coaches take the stance to say, well, I'm the coach now, you need to listen. And then, you know, you've lost it already because it has to be that mutual agreement. And and that's the reason why I'm it's, asking it, you know, at a, at a, at a professional level, even, even more so because you played at the highest level and you might have... You might not have been great at defence, for argument's sake, and now you need to teach defence, and they, you know, you need to adapt now to that specific position. So, so thanks for that answer because I think as a coach that played and now has to go and coach at, at the same club or the same uh, province where you were, it, it makes a massive, a massive difference, you know. So, thanks. It's, Marco, if I maybe can if I maybe can add something is that um, I like to put it this way: you need to take people with you. In other words, work with them. Uh, and it's sometimes not easy because as a coach, you, you want to make sure that the, the only source of information is you. Correct. Um, that happens. Which is always the right. <laughs> yes. So uh, the higher you go in terms of the level you're coaching, the more you need to get buy-in from players uh, because you want them to take ownership. Correct. You're sitting with all the information, but the big thing is how are you going to facilitate that uh, in terms of... Uh, creating opportunities for them to take the mm-hmm. lead. Uh, are you going to, for instance, will you ask them to, to run the session? Uh, you're doing your preparation. Correct. You know, you make sure that you know your stuff, you've done your homework, but now is uh, how can you get to the same outcome in a different way by making use of the players, asking them to present or, or just give feedback on whatever the, the, the subject is. And you're 100% right, because that, uh, as a, as a coach, gives you a happy camp, and a happy camp will always deliver. So I agree with you 100%. What is what is the biggest difference or the main difference between coaching overseas, Start de France, as you mentioned now, and the Bulls and the Cheetahs back in South Africa? I would say the biggest difference is, uh, obviously, the language is a, is a big one, culture. Um, and for any coach, um, and I maybe I'm, I'm speaking about myself here, I've done a bit of of research but uh, if I had more time or if I had the opportunity or have the opportunity to do it again now I would spend at least minimum six months to a year just to get to know the, the culture try and speak the language that's probably yeah. the, the big differences uh, rugby wise coaching wise uh, there's not much of a difference but uh, the French got their way uh, there's they, they're used to a certain style a certain way of coaching um a south african way is uh, we, we like to come in this is how we're going to do this is how we're going to operate Bulldogs, um, everyone. this is the plan uh, for them uh, there must be a change you can't go with the same thing day in and day out they, they like to have variety um that warm-up drill you're doing on game day it can't be the same drill every week before every game so you need to challenge them they, they like to have uh, it, it must be something that will challenge them, something new, something different. I don't know what and why, um, but uh, some of the things that I've noticed is that um, drills-wise, um, whether it's Super Rugby, whether it's Curry Cup or Super Rugby level, it's the same. There's there's no difference as how they interpret it and how they well, how they view it, their opinions about it. But it's definitely a French style, a French way of doing things. If I can just say, uh, and I agree with you 100%, you know, the different countries obviously do things different. I was fortunate enough to go on a coaching course with uh, Dan Van Sale in, in Ireland at the Rugby Academy of Ireland. And um, we asked a similar question as to how do the Irish do it? And, and, you know, a lot of our coaches and players are at Munster, so we had an experience with them. 
And it's the same. And, and you know the difference in cultures, as you speak about now. In South Africa, you do it X, and in France, you do it Y. Um, and they had something similar to say that there's a lot of buy-in from the players. So, yes, the coach comes with the structure, and this is how you want to play, but the players buy into it. Um, and the players then take ownership because it makes them feel like they've got more decision-making part of their play, whereas maybe in a, in a, in a place like South Africa, um, there's more direction in the sense this is how we want to play and you adapt to it. Yes, you've got your way to do it. But having said that, um, you know, you've coached at different levels, at, at different provinces and at club levels and that. Each coach, to a degree, is unique in his, in his own way. So, um, you know, you adapt and you go on. But some, some coaches are strict and it's only their way and they're successful. Then you have other coaches that aren't as strict and it's more player-friendly and players can decide and they're also successful. So I think if you can find, as a coach, if you can find the happy medium in between where you are happy and the players are happy because then they deliver more at the end of the day. Yeah, correct. And uh, there's a nice story, and uh, I don't know where I read it, but it was the story about Gary Kirsten and um, taking over as the, as the head coach of the Indian cricket team, um, pitching on the day, got everybody in the room, and now I just started with his presentation on boys. This is the way forward. This is how we're going to do it. And obviously, Perry Upton is his, um, uh, his colleague. Um, after the presentation, there was a discussion about uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this? And uh, the feedback from, from Perry was, uh, I think, uh, we need to go back. We need to go and present again. Um, <laughs> no, he was, I you. He, it was basically about... Perry just taking just taking the temperature of the room, you know, mm -hmm. it was reading the players' body language, mm -hmm. and uh, they decided, okay, let's go back, take that presentation, chuck it in the bin, mm -hmm. and start it from scratch. Okay, boys, what are you thinking? What are you suggesting? Uh, end of the that meeting, thumbs up. Um, yeah, the question was, boys, are you happy with this? They got a thumbs up. So it's a good lesson to be learned from that um, um, story. Is that. As a coach, you, you, you must have the ability to adapt. Uh, yes, the most important thing is don't move away from your strengths as a coach. Yes, you have to adapt. That's your focus. You just pivot your focus, uh, what you want to uh, focus on. But your identity, identity as a coach, your DNA as a coach, that must never change. Stay yes. where you are. Stay true to you, your personality as a coach. Agreed. Ricardo, thank you very much. Thank you for sharing all of that. And um, I wish you all the best for your new venture at the Cheetahs. And may it be as successful as the rest of your career thus far. Thanks, Casper. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me and thanks for the opportunity. And I wish you guys all the best. Thank and you. Mark, you, you're definitely wearing the wrong T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll wait in the post to see what arrives then, right? But uh, <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. But Ricardo... Um, <laughs> we'll we'll contact each other off air. Mm -hmm. So, um, but if you if you are in town again in this uh, wonderful side of of uh, South Africa, uh, give us a buzz. Um, you know, we'll catch up again and hopefully invite you back into studio. We'll have a nice yes. chat to see how you guys have developed on the on the Toyota teacher side and 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 where the guys have gone, and even yourself. You know, as a as a coach in a new line, to a degree, what you're doing now. Um, how you've prospered in that. And we wish that uh, the Toyota Toto Cheetahs all the best going forward, except when you play against us. But um, the rest will be history, as they say. So thank you very much for, for joining us. Um, and all the best. We'll chat again. Thank you, Ricardo. Thanks, Bob. Keep well.
From Touchline, thank you very much, Mark. Thanks for joining us and have a great rugby week. Thank you, Gus.